Welcome to StarCast, a show about tarot, divination, and all things mystical. StarCast is a celebration of StarCon, the Southeastern Tarot Artist and Readers Conference. I'm Amy Mauser, and here's your host, Christiana Gaudet. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of StarCast. StarCon is right around the corner, January 21st through 23rd in person in Palm Beach Gardens and online on the Excelevance event management platform. With me today is a guest that you have seen before. She presented last year at StarCon 2021, but I wanted to bring her on the show again because this year she is doing something completely different and I want to talk about it. Gita Rash, so nice to see you again. Thank you for inviting me back. I'm so excited to be back and presenting something, like you said, completely different. Yes. Very excited. It is very exciting. So we know that you're an artist and we know that you are the creator of the Mahabharata Oracle. Did I say it correctly? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, since your Oracle has come out, I've noticed it is getting a lot of love. People are really excited about it. And of course, that was your presentation at StarCon last year. Right. This year, you're doing something completely different and something that we would not necessarily think that an Oracle creator would know how to do. So I am now going to turn it over to you and ask you to tell us what you're going to be doing and how you know how to do it. Okay, so my beginnings of the occult uh, department, occult world, started with palmistry. Yeah, it started with palmistry. That was the basic, the foundation with which everything else fell into place. And that started when I had the aha moment, the light bulb moment that I was intuitive. I didn't know what was going on. I was hearing noises. I don't know if I I mentioned this before. I had voices in my head and, you know, it got to a point where it was starting to bother me. It was a little creepy because the voices knew what was going on and I thought someone was following me. So I went and asked my dad, I said, you know, I think there's some kind of demon following me. They know I've stolen the cookies and they tell me I'm going to get punished. And I did, by the way. So (laughs) my dad started laughing. He he asked me to explain what it was. And when I told him, he said, that's no demon following you. That is your heart speaking to you. And I thought that was a beautiful way to tell a child what I many, many years later came to know was psychic phenomenon. Wow. How old were you? I was about seven or eight when this happened. Wow. So that was so wise of your father. How how did he know to say that? Well, I was very blessed that he was so broad-minded because, you know, his parents were not so. And uh, I was very blessed that I was guided in the right direction because I know many people in this situation have been traumatized because they were not so guided like I was. And I guess the reason uh, the reason would be that my dad himself was very highly intuitive, mm. almost himself. And he was actually an engineer by trade, very left brain, very technical, a whiz at math. But he had a vast library of books on art, philosophy, and metaphysical subjects. He had 
on palmistry, numerology, astrology, and so many other things, you know, his library was taught. So uh, after he explained to me, you know, I said, do I listen to this voice? He said, that's your heart speaking to you, right? And I said, do I listen to my mind or do I listen to this other voice? And he said, always listen to this other voice because that is your heart. That is something higher than your mind. It's what he said to me all this time. So I'm very, very grateful to him. So that started my journey into metaphysical world as it is. And uh, I was very attracted to the books and palmistry. And I started reading them at the age of nine. By the time I was 11, I was reading in public. <laughs> well, now, where in the world were you at this time? I was still in India. I was still to school. I was just a regular naughty girl getting to trouble. So, uh, you know, my dad thought it was great that I started reading books outside of my school books. As long as I did my homework and got good grades, that was a condition. Mm -hmm. I was reading up all the books uh, between 9 and 11. It took me a couple of years to read all his books, read them over, and discuss things with him, which was wonderful because he was uh, a very good palmist, and he would read for anybody who stopped in just as a hobby. He was not a professional. And it was a great way to bond with him because there was a large age gap between my dad and me, me being the fifth born child. And so because of the generation gap, this kind of brought us closer together. We had an interest and I started learning from him. So by the time I was 11 years old, I was reading wherever I went. People would show me their hand, ask me to read, and I did. And my fee at the time was a candy bar. <laughs> so I would read a hand and get a candy bar. So I thought this was great because, you know, mom never let me have any sweets. So I started reading as many hands as I could. And I got a lot of candy bars. And I was thrilled. I said, this is great, you know. But my mom wasn't so thrilled. So um, she eventually <laughs> kind of put an end to that. For, for the time being, but all through college and, uh, you know, to my work life, I've been reading hands. I started professionally uh, only like some time ago, but I was reading just for fun for a long time. So did your mom not like that you were reading palms or did she not like that you were eating all that candy or both? I think both because she really uh, had a program for me and for all us kids to just go into regular academic studies and, you know, get into a trade, a profession, uh, hopefully engineering or medicine, because those were the only two <laughs> things that they approved of back then, which, which was really kind of like, you know, not of any interest to me. But, you know, that's, that's most of the kids of my generation. We're given a choice of engineering or medicine. Which is, is kind of, I mean, what we think of here in the United States, when we think about people from India, that's often what we think about. You know, you're a doctor, you're an engineer. Now, right. you're an artist and, right. <laughs> and a metaphysician. Um, so certainly you did become a healer just in, in a different kind of a way. Right. What did you study in college? Um, I actually did my master's in history because I was always interested in arts. 
And then I did my master's in business as well. And I worked in finance for a very long time. Did you? Yes. So I was actually, uh, which, which, which my parents were quite happy with. You know, they were pretty happy that I did my MBA and got a nice job. And, you know, was doing that for some time. Yeah. Wow. So, so you did what your parents wanted you to. Oh, yeah. You never forgot the wisdom that your father gave you. And, and now at this time in your life, you're pretty much living by that wisdom 100%, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's all wisdom and intuition and guidance. It's, it's 200%, really. So you, you started off studying palmistry. Now, I, I just I have a question, and I don't know that much about palmistry. Um, you may know that very often when I'm doing tarot readings in person, I will ask to look at someone's hand. Um, but like the extent of my knowledge of palmistry, I took a one hour class 30 years ago. And what's really just, and, and after that class, I was like, huh, let me look at your hand. And I find that when I look at people's hands, energy comes off them. And I can read that energy. And I've even been hired at parties to be a palm reader at a party. I've done that. But it feels a little disingenuous for me. The people are happy, but I'm not really doing traditional palm readings. So at StarCon, you're going to teach us some of the basics of traditional palm reading. But what I want to know is, like, okay, in astrology, there's astrology from an Indian perspective, and then there's Western mm-hmm. astrology. And there yes. are similarities, but it's really two different things. Correct. Same with palmistry or no? Actually, yes, because there are several schools and several styles and several different origins of palmistry. But basically, it originated in India, and then it was taken to Europe. So what happened in Europe was, actually, Aristotle was a big devotee of palmistry he even gave it to alexander the great but the church frowned upon it they didn't like as you know divination of any kind they discouraged palmistry which is why it fell into disuse in that part of the world so there was a gentleman by the name of cairo whose real name is count lewis Hammond, and he studied palmistry in india and he kind of developed his own style which is based on the indian version it kind of went a little bit into more of a generic uh, pattern of palmistry, while the Indian palmistry is more traditional with a lot more details, just like Vedic astrology. It's a lot more details than Western astrology. And there are more shapes, there are more uh, events, and you know, it's just a lot more in Indian, traditional Indian palmistry versus the Western or you know, if you want to call it English, because Cairo was the biggest name in our modern times. So, yeah. And so you studied Indian palmistry in India. Yes, I actually studied both. Really? I have with astrology. I've studied both because I like to do a blend. Mm. Unique. And I do the blend with astrology as well as palmistry. So I take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, 
And then I have my own observations because I don't want to age myself, but I've been reading for a very long time. <laughs> um, let's say a few decades. <laughs> right, right. Do you think it's it's fair to say, I mean, with really any divination practice, be it tarot or palmistry or, or anything like that, that after a period of time, we all kind of develop our own style? Absolutely. Absolutely. Each That's why each reader is different. Right. Even with the tarot, each reader has their own observations that they've learned to experience from sure. readings and from meeting people. And so they have their own version of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. Each, each um, astrologer, each palmist, they may have the same basic rules and foundation, but they add their own flavor, which makes it very original. Sure, sure. Now, one of the things in that one palmistry class I took, one of the things that I remember that I found really fascinating is that the lines on the hand change. Yes, they do. And I noticed that in my own hands when I quit smoking cigarettes. Um, my, my, my life got better. Like a lot of my lines got better when I quit smoking cigarettes. Right. So you saw firsthand. You saw firsthand. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So you noticed it and that's absolutely true. You can extend your life. And so your lifeline, which is health and constitution and longevity will actually grow stronger. Now, I knew a guy once who had no lifeline. He literally had no lifeline. He was very much alive. He is no longer living and he did die young. That's true. Okay. Okay. But he literally had no line and he was aware of it and he showed it to me and he was because he knew what I do. And he was like, what do you make of that? And I didn't really know what to say to him. If you... And on, on either hand, on neither hand, did he have wow. that line? Wow. Yeah. What would you do with that? Well, uh, I would look for a sister line because you have a sister line sometimes. The main major lifeline may be missing, but you may have a sister line. Or you may have some other lines to support life itself. Mm. So I would look for that to see because, um, you know, I have a member of my family who has a very short commitment. And all through her youth, she would be so worried that she would die young. And both my dad and myself pointed to her that she had a sister line. And up to a certain age, she was very worried. But now she's like, okay. I know I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> right. If I, if I was going to die young, it's, it's now. <laughs> Can't die young now. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, would you, I mean, you are a tarot reader. Right. And you have created an oracle that you read with, I would assume. Yes. And you do palmistry. Yes. Do you ever sort of combine those things, like sit with someone and use two or all three of those things in the same session? Yes, I do. I do. Because a lot of the times, some of the cards will tell me, will 
clue me into looking at their hand. And I'll tell a client, can I see your hand? Mm. Like, what are we doing? And I said, I want to confirm something. So I will look at the hand to confirm something from the cards and so on. It, it's all cohesive. Now, one of the things that, that I was told is that the lines on the side of the hand right below the pinky will predict your number of children. Correct. Is that true? It is true. But they're so faint. They're so faint. Now, the major line is the line of marriage. Okay. The parallel ones to the heart line is the marriage line. And the lines, the offshoots from the marriage line that go down are the ones with the children. But they are very, very faint. And I have seen people with several children who have just one or two, you know, lines. Interesting. So very faint. Mm. Do you use a magnifying glass to? I do. Uh, do. I do. So I know this one guy who, who does palmistry. And when he does it, he uses like a magic marker and actually draws lines on the people's hands. Wow. while he is doing it. So you can tell who's gotten a reading with them, like if you're at a fair or something, because they <laughs> all over their hands. Is that necessary? I don't think so. I mean, each one has his own style. And, you know, I'm not judging anybody, but I don't think that's necessary because if you can see, and you can see pretty well with the magnifying lens, there's no need to mark the hands. Right, right. I, I don't think it is. So... At StarCon, of course, you're going to be speaking with people who all have some interest in divination, some knowledge of divination, some professionals, some beginners. Uh, For someone who is just coming to the idea of palmistry, what would you say is or or is there that there might not this there might not be an answer to this question, but I'm curious to know what you would say that is true about palmistry that is not true about any other method of divination? I would say that your fate is in your hands. (laughs) How do you like that? All righty then. All righty then. Because the fate line in your hand is something that is very definite. And so when you say that, I mean, we could take that two ways. That's like the expression, God helps those who help themselves. You could take it two ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could say your fate is in your hands, meaning you have the choice of what happens. But you right. could also say your fate is in your hands, meaning in that line, it's written and there no, there's nothing you can do about it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Which did you mean? 50-50. You have free will. You have free will. You always have free will, and uh, certainly some things are fated, but you can't just give up and say, this is fate. you got to, again, astrology comes into play, and Saturn says, the more hard work you put in, the more I'll reward you. So if you were to say, I'm doomed or I'm fated to do this or not get a job, and don't try and just keep standing in the unemployment line, Saturn's going to say, Mm-mm. This is not why I put you here. I'm there, so you work hard. Get off your butt and try. And if you were to try, 
which is free will. I will reward you. That is so beautifully said. That that matches my belief system exactly. And, and is so beautifully said. I want to just go back. Be, before we say goodbye, I want to just go back to something you said in the very beginning. When you're a child and you're hearing these voices and you're thinking it's a demon and it's telling you you will be punished. Now, your dad explained it was not a demon, but in mm-hmm. fact, your heart. But you also said you were indeed punished. I want to know more. Okay. So, uh, so let me go back to the, I, I kind of shortened the whole story. Um, I was hearing voices about other people at first, you know, they were telling me about fun things, neighbors, what they were doing, what they were saying. And I actually thought everybody was getting those messages. So I didn't think there was anything special or unusual or unique. And I was certainly not different. You know, they were just saying like what the kids were talking, teachers were talking, you know, and those things would happen. And I didn't think anything of it. But then when they started getting personal and telling me things about me, that's when I thought it was a little scary because, I mean, who saw me steal cookies from the cookie jar in the kitchen? Nobody saw me do that. I thought I was going to get away with it. So some of the things they said were very helpful, things like, my missing homework, you know, your homework is your satchel is underneath this couch or that couch, and I would go and find it. That was very cool to get those kind of messages. But to get a message like, okay, mom, don't think mom will not find out you stole those cookies. She will, and you won't get punished. <laughs> That's when I thought somebody was following me because I, 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 I planned the, the cookie stealing very well. Nobody was home when I did it. <laughs> there was no way anybody saw me. And I had a very sweet tooth as a child. And um, I mean, there were days I ate just sugar. So, uh, you know, my mom had curtailed it quite a bit. And I don't eat sugar at all now, <laughs> which is funny. But I, I, had, I mean, it, it got to be a problem with, you know, um, me my sugar addiction so I know and I planned it nobody saw me so how, how could anybody know and and I was found out and I was punished and that's what got me I said no I gotta get to the bottom of this <laughs> and of course based on the fairy tales I was reading I thought there was some boogie fan you know watching me. that's what I thought because I was about seven eight years old and mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know any better so that's what got me into everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So we are really looking forward to your class at StarCon. I, I'm particularly looking forward to it because, it, you know, all these years I've been looking at people's hands. Now I, I maybe will learn more traditionally what it is I'm seeing. Great. Uh, so that's wonderful. And, you know, one of the things we really want to do at StarCon is have a wide variety of topics. We are certainly a tarot conference, but we're really here to celebrate all divination. And so I'm really grateful to you for bringing palmistry to StarCon. And we will look forward to seeing you in January. It's my pleasure. I can't wait to be there. Yes. Thank you so much, Gita Rash. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for StarCast. 
For more information about our annual conference, visit us online at starcon.com. That's S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N.com. We are looking forward to seeing you in January.